Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people through his own blood, suffered outside the gate. So let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. And do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. We've been looking here in the book of Hebrews at a list of commandments. And I've listed them for you there in the bulletin. In the, there's a section there for you to make notes if you'd like to or follow along this morning. And the theme, I guess, is... Uh, an exhortation to Christians who are worried about uh, something happening to them because they're Christians, something bad. And so they've wondered, or it's been reported that maybe they're wondering, some of them, whether being a Christian is such a good idea. And we know that uh, we get tempted in this way when things are difficult or hard. We, I don't know why exactly, but we can experience this problem of wondering what happened to God. Why... Has he seemingly abandoned us? And we get tempted to turn to other things. Now, of course, we might be tempted to turn to other things for any reason at all at any time. Other things sometimes just are appealing. Sometimes being a Christian means to go without something that other people enjoy. Right here in the book of Hebrews, that's sometimes sometimes called, well, at least on one occasion called, the passing pleasure of sin. There's a reason why sin is tempting because it often has a certain pleasure attached to it. And I think the root of that pleasure is just the simple concept of self-satisfaction, of finding one's satisfaction in something other than God. We, in our fallen condition, like that. 
So we can be tempted to turn to things other than Christ for that kind of reason. Not because being with Christ is causing trouble, but because going somewhere else feels good to us. Well, both of those things are true, and maybe they're just two different versions of the same thing. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews, here's how I look at it. The writer of the book of Hebrews is shouting, think what a prize Christ is. Remember Jesus is it. And if you have Christ, you have all. Even when you don't have all, you have all in Christ. Even when you seem deprived, you are absolutely, totally, and completely blessed in Christ. All the promises of God in him are yes. Not most of them, all. As Paul writes in Romans, if he freely gave his only son, how will he not also with him freely give us most of the things we need? No. Not even all of the things we need. All, period, things. <laughs> the Scripture is quite clear. God is good. And being reconciled to God in Christ is the prize that anyone might gain. And so to think of letting go of that is ridiculous and, frankly, insane. What it really indicates is a lack of understanding of the prize that Christ is. And so throughout the book of Hebrews, the writer says, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. Think about Jesus. Consider Jesus. Pay attention to what God has said when he spoke to us in his Son. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, of the faith is really what it says. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. So whatever it is you're enduring, he's endured more. By faith, you focus on the prize. When you're tempted to turn to anything other than the grace of God in Christ, then remember, here's some first and foremost, remember Christ. But remember the people who led you to Christ. Remember those people 
who spoke the word of God to us and consider the result of what they did. Well, what's the result of what they did? You came to Christ. The reason you're remembering those people is so that you can remember where they took you. They brought you to Christ. They brought you to Christ by not turning away from Christ themselves. <laughs> They're held up as an example here of people who stuck to, to Christ, who held fast the confession of their hope, as the book says. Consider that, that you are a reconciled child of God because of those who spoke the word of God to you. <laughs> and imitate them. Now, he doesn't say imitate them in general. He says imitate their faith. They had the sort of faith that kept their eyes fixed on Christ and kept running with endurance the race that was set before them. You imitate their faith. You focus your life on him. Their faith, Jesus Christ, yesterday, today, forever the same. His promise is true. His prom what he did yesterday was make a promise. <laughs> and today he has engaged us in the receipt of that promise. And in eternity that promise will be completely realized because his word is true. Because the living God is not a man that he should lie or change his mind, determining something and then going back on his word. All the promises of God in him are yes. So, number four, don't be carried away by varied and strange teachings. Don't substitute foolishness for wisdom. Continue in Christ. And then he says, because we have an altar that's not available to those who serve the tent, the, those who serve the Mosaic temple. We have a, a different kind of altar now where the sacrifice to end all sacrifice has been made. And so Jesus has torn the veil. Jesus has opened the way. Let us draw near in full assurance of faith, as he said in chapter 10. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope and let us consider how to love one another. So he says, since we have this other altar, this superior altar, this supreme atoning sacrifice, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach, he says, which is kind of an odd thing to stick in here, but it's about 
whatever suffering might come in this life because of your association with Jesus Christ, your association with Jesus Christ is more than worth it. Paul says, I consider these present sufferings as not worthy to be considered against the greatness of the glory of the grace of God in Christ. And when Paul talked about these present sufferings, he was talking about something way more difficult than anything any of us have faced, as far as I know. I haven't been beaten nearly to death for my association with Jesus. There are people in this world even today that are. Why do they do that? Are they crazy? No, they are declaring the greatness of the goodness of God in Christ by bearing his reproach. So he says, we come to this week's lesson. That was all last week's lesson and all the lessons before that. And we come to item number six on this list of commandments. Let us go out to him outside the camp bearing his reproach, for here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Let us offer up a sacrifice of praise. Now, to us, we think that means let us have a song service like we just did. But if you, if you were a bunch of Hebrews <laughs> in the first century, the sacrifice of praise means something to you. It was a type of offering in the temple. Now, he just said, we have a different altar from the one in the temple. But at this altar, there's also a sacrifice of praise. Now, a sacrifice of praise was sometimes called a sacrifice of thanks. And it's a particular type of sacrifice. You can read about it in the book of Leviticus. You can definitely read about it in the Psalms we just did where we read this, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving. If you look at the, the Septuagint, the old Greek version of the Old Testament that was the Bible of the apostles, you would read sacrifices of thanksgiving and then that would be in Greek, and then you'd come over here in the book of Hebrews, and you'd read sacrifice of praise, and there would be the same words. This is a quote in Hebrews. 
It's not necessarily quoting Psalm 107, though I think he's intentionally alluding to this psalm. But that phrase, sacrifice of praise, sacrifice of thanksgiving, is all over the Old Testament, and it recurs a lot in the Psalms, and it was a particular type of sacrifice. It involved killing an animal. But here's the thing about the sacrifice of praise, and this is a new kind, by the way. He's not saying go over to the temple and give a sacrifice of thanksgiving because he just got through saying we have a different altar outside the camp. And we're going outside the camp to bearing his reproach to make this sacrifice outside the camp. So this isn't the same, but it's the same type, the same sort of sacrifice. Well, what was it about the sacrifice of praise or thanksgiving It was an act of thanksgiving for blessings already bestowed. Thanksgiving. There's nothing to be gained. It's already been gained. And this is a sacrifice that declares the specifics of the goodness of God in worship. So we are called upon to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Now, the first thing about this sacrifice is it's through Him, through Christ. It's not through the tent. We have a different altar. We offer this through Him at the altar outside the city, not at the altar in the temple. We offer this sacrifice bearing whatever reproach might come in our association with Christ through Him. Now, the second thing we read about this sacrifice is it's continual. Well, that's odd because sacrifice normally is kind of a, an event. But we are called upon to offer this sacrifice continually. Now, if you go back and you read the Greek New Testament behind the word continually, here's the literal words, through all. It's all, it's all, you know, continually is mostly a time word, right? All the time. But these words are bigger than that. They certainly include that. Through all. And you can see how in a group of people that was anticipating difficulty for their association with Christ, how this might mean something bigger through all. Through whatever reproach comes upon you for your association with Christ. Through this situation or that situation, all the time from now on, whatever you face, through everything, in any sort of situation, in every situation, at all times, offer the sacrifice of praise. Through all. This kind of reminds me of that... uh, Exhortation in Thessalonians. We're going to read it a little later. 
be thankful in every circumstance. Continually, through all, offer the sacrifice of praise. Now, what is the sacrifice of praise? Well, he tells us, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Now, you can read this in various versions of the Bible, and you can find this word confess translated several different ways. So you might read this phrase, openly profess. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Or you might read the word acknowledge his name. That seems a little mild to me. Or you might read these words, give thanks to his name. So, okay, well those aren't all exactly alike what's going on in the translation here. The word is homologeo, which is the word confess. It is the exact word that is used in 1 John 1.9. You know that famous verse, if we confess. What are we confessing in 1 John 1.9? Our sins. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now here, we're not confessing sins. Here in the book of Hebrews, we're not confessing sins. We're confessing His name. Now the word confess, homo logeo, means same say. It means, say the same as. What are we same saying here? His name. We're taking his name. We are putting Jesus Christ, Son of God, Savior, we're making a big giant label and pasting it on ourselves. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. I am his and he is mine. He has put his claim on me. He has redeemed me. I belong to him. That's exactly what the word in this text, he sanctifies the people. So he has, I become his possession. And this is my confession. There's uh, various usages of the word confess in the book of Hebrews. We're going to work our way backwards. If you go to chapter 11, some people are confessing in verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Who, who are these? These are the, the, the patriarchs of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah. That's who. 
they, re- they got the promise of God. They didn't receive the Savior who was the content of that promise. And they died and Jesus hadn't shown up yet. But they confessed that they were strangers and exiles in this world. They confessed, here we have no lasting city. We're looking for the city that is to come. If you go back to chapter 20, or chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the confession, same word, of our hope. And this is based on the fact that Christ has made a new and living way through the veil to the presence of God. And so there's these three exhortations. Let us draw near in full assurance of faith and let us hold fast the confession of our hope and let us consider one another to stir up love and good deeds. Hold fast the confession of our hope. My hope is in Christ. It is not in politics. My hope is in Jesus. It is not in the welfare state. It is not in education or business. My hope is in Christ. Whatever happens to me in this life will be absolutely, completely, totally resolved in Him. Already, I have been reconciled to God in Him. And so already, I can go boldly before the throne of grace with whatever's on my petty little mind and receive a welcome and receive help and mercy when I need it. Like the refrain in that psalm we read, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and He delivered them from their distress. I hold fast the confession of my hope in Him. In chapter 4, there's another confession It's really kind of the same. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast our confession. In chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of a heavenly calling, Consider Jesus, the apostle and the high priest, the missionary and the intercessor. The apostle and the high priest of our confession. We same say Christ. And the Sacrifice of praise is speaking the goodness of God in Christ.
We just read from Psalm 107. I would encourage you to read the whole thing. It's 43 verses, so we just picked some selections out of it. And it goes through this little list. There are some people like this. They got into this kind of trouble. Then there's some people like this, and they got into a different kind of trouble. And then there's some people like this, and they got into a different kind of trouble. There's one, two, three, four different some people. My guess is you will find yourself on that list. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to to a city to dwell in. They couldn't figure out where they were going in this life. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Some sat in darkness and in the shadows of death, prisoners in affliction and in irons, for they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. So he bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. Some people imprison themselves with sin. That's what that says. That's my summary. Here's another group. Some were fools through their sinful ways. I think we could say all, but this says some were fools through their sinful ways because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They turned away food and drew near to the gates of death. Have you ever had the experience of trying to help someone who refused the very help they needed? Some went down to the sea in ships doing business on great waters. Well, now this isn't sin. This is just going about your business. Some people, when they go about their business, they went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. For He commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to heaven, these waves. They went down to the depths, these waves. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. These guys were just going about their business doing what sailors do. And they ran into the storm, which in this instance was commanded by God. There, ah, and I guess it takes about 10 or 15 minutes before you wish you were dead. There's a refrain that comes after each of those sections. Some were like this, some were like this, some were like this. Here's the refrain. Then, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. If you read the history of Israel, especially in the book of Judges, it's like a, it's like a wave, you know. They, they do well, they forget about God, so God unblesses them. <laughs> and they get in a state of desperation and they cry out to God and he goes, he jumps when they cry out to him in the book of Judges. 
here too. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. They cried out in their trouble, and He delivered them. And then the psalm, each little section has a little description of how He delivered them. Then it says, let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. That's verse 8. That's also verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. That's also verse 21. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works for the, to the children of man. That's also verse 31. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And then the very closing verse of this psalm is, whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. The love of the Lord is unfailing, steadfast, promise-keeping, covenantal. Because God has made a covenant with God Himself to love His people. He didn't just promise you. He promised Himself. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men. In one of these four stanzas, he goes on to say this, let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds in songs of joy. Tell of His deeds. Tell of His deeds. Tell of His deeds. If you would like to worship the Lord, tell of His deeds. You know something about His deeds. You've experienced some of His deeds yourself. And if you're in Christ, you've experienced the main deed. The one thing that would render all other goodness unnecessary if you only had that. Your redemption in Christ, what else do you need? But he doesn't stop with that. He who freely gave his only son, will he not also with him freely give us all things? You get it all in him. You've already won. You've already been blessed. The blessing has been bestowed. What kind of sacrifice can you bring? Only the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of confession, the name. The sacrifice of spelling out the details of his goodness according to your own experience. And that's not much of a sacrifice. Like, how do you help it? It's sort of like the sacrifice that Paul talks about. In fact, I think it is exactly the same sacrifice that Paul talks about in Romans 12. Let us therefore... <laughs> 
brothers, let us, in view of God's mercy, present our bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. In fact, the logic of that text is no other response to what God has done makes any sense other than to take yourself and go, I'm his. I'm his. Sacrifice of praise. <clears throat> In First Thessalonians, oops, chapter 5, there's a sort of famous exhortation. Everyone knows it. I'm going to start with verse 16. Rejoice always. Now that sounds good unless you think about it. I mean, who doesn't want to rejoice? Always. That's the hard part. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying. Are you praying? Right now. Are you praying? Never stop. Never stop. If I ask you that question, are you praying? And the answer is no, start praying. If at any moment, at any day of any week, in any month, in any year, you notice you are not praying, start praying. For heaven's sake, Jesus Christ died, rose again, ascended to heaven to open the door to God's office to you. Are you going to stay out? That is the dumbest thing you could possibly do. If you can pray, never stop. Never stop. I say this a lot, but... The fact that you can pray is a bigger deal than anything you might be praying about. The simple fact that you have access to the grace of God at any time, from anywhere, about anything. That doesn't mean try to raise the level of your prayer. That means pray about whatever dumb thing is on your mind. And we already know from Romans that whatever is on our mind, we don't know how to pray about it, and so the Spirit intercedes for us. So what on earth reason do you have not to pray? You could say, well, if I come to God and talk about this, it's so trivial. I, you know, does he really? Yes, right? By the way, every thought you have ever had in the presence of God is trivial. All your thoughts are trivial in his mind. My ways are higher than your ways, like the heavens are higher than the earth. It's not like he doesn't know how dumb you are. And he embraces you in his love and grace and says, please share what is ever on your heart. Never stop. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Did you stop? 
Start. Are you praying? Keep praying. The way this works is whatever you do, see if you can turn it into a prayer. See if you can turn it into a life lived in the presence of Almighty God because of the grace He's extended to you in Christ. There's more. In everything, give thanks. It's nice to say, hey, be thankful. It's another thing to say, in everything, give thanks. What is the Lord's excuse for that? He says it right here, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, <clears throat> you could think this is God's will means that you should give thanks in every situation. That's God's will. That might be, but here's another way you could read this. Everything, every situation in which you give thanks is God's will for you. Here's another way of saying that. Whatever happens, God is working out some kind of blessing for you in it. This is stated explicitly over and over again in the Bible. Whatever happens, God is using that to bless His children. So in everything, give thanks. Even if you have to give thanks like this, Lord, I have no idea what on earth you are up to here. It hurts, but thank you. Because he is up to something good. He is up to something that plays out the resurrection in you. Give thanks. So here's the sacrifice of praise. I trust and profess the goodness of God. I trust and profess the goodness of God, the providence of God in every situation. Providence means God is always providing. God is providing. Sometimes when it looks like I'm being deprived, God is providing. <clears throat> in every situation. How does God provide in every situation? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Even when Jesus is all that I have, I have it all in Him. God is good to me in every situation. You know, in that Psalm, Psalm 107, it ends with this list of things God might do. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground. Well, that seems backwards. He turns rivers into deserts, springs into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because, oh, because of the evil of its inhabitants. 
Here's the next thing it says. He turns a desert into pools of water. (laughs) That's exactly the opposite of what he just said. He does both of these things. And if the inhabitants of the land, if the inhabitants of the land are evil, the Lord disciplines them. And that's a blessing. He is good. God is good when he turns rivers into deserts and when he turns deserts into pools of water. He's good on both occasions. And the conclusion of this text is the upright see it and are glad. The upright see the hand of God, the mighty works of God in either way. And they're glad. Why? Because God is God. And in Christ, we are with Him. The religion of Christ is the religion of thanksgiving. The religion of Christ, the sacrifices, the worship, the sacrifice of the Christian is the sacrifice of praise, of thanksgiving. Now, there's a command sort of tagged on the end here, and I'm out of time, but he says this, and do not neglect doing good and sharing. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So part of the sacrifice of praise is doing good. Good deeds. (laughs) Help somebody. That's all that means. Doing good and sharing. Sharing is the word koinonia. It means fellowship. It's sharing used in a very comprehensive sense. Share your life, share your wisdom, share your cash, share your house, share your family, share your hair. I don't care. Share. Engage in the life of moving from resource to need, of moving resources to meet needs. Whatever you've got. Why didn't God just hand out everything equally all over the place? Well, God is interested in sharing. And if we all had exactly the same thing, nobody would have to share anything. So if you have more than somebody about anything, you have an opportunity. You can take it or you can, you can, oh, don't neglect it, this says. If you, if you know geometry and you also know someone who needs to pass a geometry test, share. If you have a car and you also know somebody who needs a ride, share. This is the sort of sharing we're talking about. And it can be anything, any way, any time. But look around and don't neglect your opportunities to do good deeds and to share. This is part of how you declare the goodness of God the sacrifice of praise. It's all included. 
The sacrifice of thanksgiving, how do you give thanks in a visible way? You say, God has so good, he gave me this, so I'm giving some of it to you. Same thing. You confess his name. You wear the badge, Jesus Christ, Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords. You wear the badge. And you can show it in good deeds and sharing. It's a new kind of sacrifice. This is, I think, I I hesitate to use this word, but the funnest of all religions. There is more joy. That's a better word than fun. There is more joy in this sacrifice of praise way of life than is available in any of the try to do this and maybe God will like you religions. Here, you don't try to do anything to get God to like you. God has embraced you, and so you are free to love people whatever way you can find. There's no better way. Let us enjoy the grace of God. Let us exhibit that grace to everyone around us. Father, we give you thanks. You are good all the time. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.